Hi, everyone. Welcome back to That on Paper podcast. I'm Grace Atwood. And I'm Becca Freeman. And today we have an amazing guest for you. We say that all the time, but we have amazing guests. We also are having technical difficulties. This is our third try at an intro. Yes, because Becca did not plug in my mic or my headphones. And then the second time we did it, we just had nothing to say. (laughs) So we did a better job. Third time was a charm. Yeah. Yeah. But we have Lauren Chan with us today. Yes. Lauren is a friend. I'm obsessed with her. I'm obsessed with her brand. She's fantastic. And I think this is a really great interview. So I think you guys are really going to love it. Um, But before we talk about her, we're going to talk about us. Becca, what's your high this week? Um, My high is on a specific level. uh, On Sunday, we took ourselves out to a fancy dinner to celebrate a podcast download milestone that we'd set for ourselves. And we went to the Gramercy Tavern and we did the tasting menu. And it was really special because I'd never been there. And it was delicious. But I like this new tradition that we have that we set a milestone and like two or three times a year, like big enough that it's not every month that we're hitting it. But, you know, something big and then we get to take ourselves somewhere fancy. Yeah, it's really fun. And the Gramercy Oh, I almost said Gramercy Theater. The Gramercy Tavern tasting menu was to die for. So good. And I also feel like because we have the podcast together, I don't get to hang out with you one-on-one as a friend as much anymore. Yeah, we're always working. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, I see you enough. We don't need one-on-one plans as Mm -hmm. as often. So it was nice to go out to dinner with you. Yeah, it was great. You were a great dinner date. And then just on a macro level, I'm just feeling very proud of us. We This is the first episode that we recorded since we finished our live show tour. Mm-hmm. And we we did 12 shows this year. The podcast has grown so much. I'm just – I'm a proud mama bear. Yeah, I'm proud of us too. What is your high? Well, my high is definitely the dinner and definitely – I don't know if you guys follow my Instagram, but guess who got her Dunkin' ad? That was really exciting for me. So my Dunkin' ad went up this past weekend. If you saw it, you saw that I am full on rocking the Dunkin' March. They sent me a fleece onesie. They sent me joggers. Oh, my God. It was, uh, I mean, just a a life high having all this Dunkin' March and getting, like, paid to wear it was pretty cool, too. I hope you did a really good job so that they become a podcast sponsor. All all we want is for Duncan to sponsor the podcast. I don't even know where to begin. It was hard enough to find someone to give me an Instagram ad. Well, hopefully you really impressed them. Yeah. Duncan, if you're listening, we want you. What yeah. about on the low side? On the low side, I um just got a really bad cold and like the timing could not be worse because this week and last week were like my two busiest weeks of the year for the blog. So I've just like had so many deadlines and deliverables and things due to different brands that I work with. And I just frankly don't feel like doing any of it. I want to be under a blanket like drinking chicken noodle soup. I also feel like the weather's turned. It's really cold now. So I feel like that and I'm not even sick. It's actually winter. Like it's it's early November still we as had, we record this. We had to turn off the heat to record this so it didn't make noise in the background. Did we do that last year? I think so. Oh, it's gonna be. What a- I always do is I warm up the apartment like really good and oh. before you come over. It's gonna be a long winter. We're gonna be so cold recording. I know. I've got slippers on right now and a big sweater. Ugh, the lows. I also learned about the word cold snap. I didn't know that was a thing. Did you have know you- about cold snap? Yeah. Have you never watched the weather? Yeah, a cold front is what we call it in the Northeast. 
Apparently in New York, it's a cold snap. I feel like that was a knowledge gap. That's not, I think that's snap, what most snap, people have snap, heard. Snap. <laughs> this is new. I didn't know what it was. Are you going to ask me my low or should I just jump in? <laughs> you can just share. I'm, I have no interest in your low. Just kidding. Oh, okay, cool. Your low is a bullshit low. What do you mean? You say you're low. Okay. My low is that I am reading a series of books bullshit low. <laughs> that is ruining my life. It's not a bullshit low. It's so funny. So in last week's episode, two weeks ago's episode, Eva Chen recommended the Throne of Glass series. And it is something that had been recommended to me so many times. And finally, I was like, fine. She was the straw that broke the camel's back. I'm going to read these. I read the first one a few weeks ago. Thought it was fine. Was not super compelled to want to keep reading a seven-part series. So I put that on my Instagram story, and some of you listeners slash Instagram followers DM'd me and were like, you have to keep going. I kept going, and now I can't stop. I read books two through five in the period of a week. Last week, Grace, I got anything I got done was like under bribery. I read during the day. Like everything I did was like 15 minutes work, 15 minutes of reading. 15 minutes of work, oh my 15 God. minutes of reading. I was so unproductive. Over the weekend, my goal was to finish the series so that it was just done. Yeah. But then I downloaded book five. It's 700 pages. Oh, my dear Lord. So I read one of the books last weekend, but now I have six and seven to go. It's like I'm enjoying it because it's like that sucked in feeling, but I'm also just like trying to get through it where I don't even – I'm like not even – in really enjoying and I'm just like need to know what happens and it's like a compulsive thing it's ruining my life it is all I want to do that is so funny I'm taking an enforced break this week it is Wednesday so I haven't been allowed to read them since Sunday and I'm not allowed to read them until I read our book I reread our book club book for this month I'm like there's rules (laughs) and regulations you gotta have some rules oh my god Wow. It's friend. I just don't want to get sucked in. You can't idea view this to me because I don't – I'm not reading all seven. Well, until you do. No. I'm not – I refuse. Well, before we get into the interview, I know it's a couple weeks late in real time because we recorded um, a couple of episodes right before we uh, did our New York show. But um, this is the first time we're recording since our Dallas and New York live shows. Yeah, we we um we had to do a few things in advance because we've been, been traveling so much. Oh my god! First of all, the New York show was—I think that was our best show we've ever done. It was my favorite, yeah, for sure. It was our biggest show venue capacity-wise, and also like New York is so fun because we our friends are here, so we just like can get such cool people. Yeah, we had Emma Straub, who's one of my favorite authors. We had Katie Estorino and Hunter McGrady, who were fantastic. We had Mary Orton. And Ashley Heseltine opened the show from Girls Gotta Eat. Oh, my God. And the best part was Raina was behind, backstage with us hanging out. And she's like, can I be Voice of God? Because Voice of God always comes on and announces the show and or announces Ashley. And Raina was like, can I be the Voice of God? And we were like, why not? So she got so much joy out of that. It was really fun. New York was the best. It was so much fun. Then Dallas was interesting. Wait, can we just like bitch about Dallas a little bit? 
Everyone on that tour was me, except the hotel. Everyone, the theme of that trip was everyone being mean to us. I don't want to complain about that <laughs> because I feel like it's unprofessional. But what I will complain about is just the funniness of we were at the House of Blues and they have two um, rooms, like two spaces. And the other um, concert was a gangster rap group. Mm-hmm. And just as you can imagine, very different audiences. We had like teens and crop tops and then like cute girls in their 30s with headbands and like lots of J. Crew. Yeah, apparently people kept getting kicked out of the other show because they were under 18. We were like, we don't have that problem. Yeah. And then what was really funny is so House of Blues has two different um, rooms. And so they they warned us and they said the larger room, we've just booked this rap concert, blah, blah, blah. But we figured because, you know, it's a music venue. The other room has to be soundproof, right? Not really. No, our chairs were shaking on stage. Anyone who came to Dallas, thank you for being such a good sport. I think it was still fun. It was one of my favorite panels that we did. It was a fun group of people, but it was a great was group of women. Weird circumstances. Mm-hmm. Dallas was also great because we got to see Merritt. She took us to dinner. We had a really fun night at Tulum. Our hotel was incredible. We stayed at the Statler. Oh yeah, the Statler was great. Um, the Statler- I wish we had more downtime because their rooftop pool situation. It wasn't pool weather, but you know, just like having drinks by the yes. pool. It was so nice. Um, the room service menu had like 5,000 items on it. Like, Oh, yeah. It was crazy. You could get like anything you ever Because they have five restaurants and bars at the property. So for room service, you can just order from any of them. Yeah. It was like being in a cheesecake factory. It was like pages and pages and pages. Yes. And I guess the last thing to say about that hotel is the bathtub was amazing. Oh, I didn't take a bath there. I had three. Yeah. So Dallas was great. New York was great. Um, this live show tour was great. All good things to say. Um, do we have a desperation minute because we talked about live shows? What do you think? Leave us a review. Okay. That's it. Now let's talk to Lauren. Okay, so today we have Lauren Chan with us, and Lauren is the founder and CEO of Henning, which is a new luxury women's wear brand for plus-size women that launched in September. Um, So prior to starting Henning, Lauren was a fashion editor at Glamour Magazine, where she had a monthly column on plus-size fashion, and she's also a model that has been seen on the runways of Chromat, Eleven on Array, and was on the cover of the first issue of Bumble's magazine. Finally, Lauren is a proud Canadian. How'd I do? Pretty good. Pretty good. That's I like you. the Canadian. I didn't see that in the brief, but I, <laughs> I love that that was the fun fact that you pulled out about me. I felt like that or a is boobie. worth mentioning. Yeah. About you. <laughs> our, last, our last book was about Canadian women, so it all it all just goes together. Really? What was yeah. it? Um, How Could She by Lauren Meckling. Okay. Have yeah. you read it? It's about no. three women who spent their early 20s in Toronto and then end up in New York. Mm-hmm. Working in media. You, you recommended this to me this mm-hmm. summer, and I did not get around to it. But yes, I remember you pitching it with the bent that it was Canadian. It's you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can send it's you. Me. Oh God. We can send you off with a copy on your way out. Deal, deal, deal. Yeah, and lipstick. These are the two things I have to remember <laughs> for the end. Great. Well, wait, Lauren. We introduced you, but can you tell us in your own words who you are and kind of the elevator pitch of how you got to where you are from college to today? 
Sure. So after I graduated college in Canada, I moved directly to New York. I wanted to be a fashion editor very badly um, because I had grown up in love with fashion magazines, but that visa is very hard to get. And so I ended up taking another route and I was a plus size model. And so I worked doing that for a number of years here. And I was interning at the same time at fashion magazines and at designers and at PR agencies, everywhere that I could to basically educate myself and get out there. Um, And so I kind of had two different worlds in my life. I had the plus size section of fashion. And at the time, it was not a body positive conversation in culture. There was no Ashley Graham as our icon. And so it was very much in the corner of the industry. Mm -hmm. And then I was at places like the CFDA and interview where it was fashion with a capital F. And so those two worlds lived really separately for a long time um, until I later got to Glamour where I was the fashion features editor and I felt like it was time to bring them together. And so like you mentioned, while I was there, I had a column on size inclusivity. Um, What else? We were, we, I was on TV talking about um, size and, and diversity in fashion I designed a number of clothing collections with Glamour and Lane Bryant, um, and I really found my stride there. And so at the end of my time at Glamour, I knew that I wanted to do something bigger and more impactful, um, and that's how Henning was born. And so Henning is all of the things that I wish that I could have worn during that time that I just never had access to. We're going to talk so much more about that, but I want to Start with your modeling days. Oh, okay. Yeah. I realized as I was saying that, that I was probably answering a question four questions down the line. Uh, no, it's <laughs> no. fine. But I mean, like, how does one get into modeling? Like, uh, you were, you went to college and then you graduated <laughs> and you were like, well, visas are hard. I'll become a model. So my logic was that if my job skill had to be unique enough to be granted a visa, um, i.e. different and better than every American's. As a writer, that's very hard to prove. Um, But if your job skill is kind of what you look like, then it makes sense that you would need to outsource to. Oh, interesting. Yeah, right? Okay. So wait, had you done any modeling before? No, no. I literally, my dad and I drove to New York from Toronto, and I went to a Ford Models open call, and I got signed that day. Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) That's the story. And so in the early days of your modeling career, you said that it was very separate from the capital F fashion world. What were the types of jobs that you were getting? Yeah. So at the time, plus size modeling was very commercial. And so I was working for Macy's and I was working for Target and Eloquy and and Gwynny B. Um, And now, of course, you have incredible models who are completely crossed over into the quote-unquote proper fashion space. They're shooting um, CR fashion book. They're walking the runway at Michael Kors. They're in Paris for Fashion Week. Um, and they're landing advertisements for incredible major brands, um, whether it's H&M or Alexander McQueen. And so um, that was definitely not the case back then. It was like if you got a Lane Bryant contract, you were top dog. Yeah, oh, like that wow. was the goal. Yeah. It's so different now. It's so different now. And it's only been – I mean, it's been under 10 years. Yeah. What do you think's driving that? Social media. hmm I think that the fact that there's a platform that we can voice our demands, show our support, show companies how we look as a demographic in terms of numbers um, 
create our own images, all that, all, all of those things show the validity of the plus size market. Yeah. But even still, a lot of designers are really hesitant. Like, is it why do you think that is? It, it's hard. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I could tell you firsthand now because I have a brand. Right. Um, but it's hard. And so um, that is such a long conversation. I feel like there are so many reasons. I spent a lot of years reporting on it um, as a fashion journalist. But first of all, designers and brands just don't want to because – Plus size women aren't seen as aspirational or luxury, whoops, or luxurious, I guess. I I, I wanted to say both words and I said neither. (laughs) Um, And then the finances of it are so difficult. And a lot of these brands have been around for a while and they have bottom lines and they have financial structures. And so to, you know, put hundreds of thousands of dollars into a project that they might not really want to do. Um, and they don't know how it's going to perform. And there are so many variables. Uh, I-, I could see why it doesn't make sense. Like I can understand with the very small guys where, you know, totally. you only have so many dollars. You have to be smart where you put your first dollars. And so they know that they want to put it into straight size. But then with some of the really big brands, like it's really surprising that. Like I don't understand why Diane von Furstenberg hasn't created a plus size line yet. So I, I get the thing about the small brands, and I when I was a journalist, I used to back off a little yeah. with the pressing questions when they would say, listen, that, that this is what we can afford to do. Um, with the big brands, though, if you really look into the structure of the companies, they're often owned by parent companies that aren't doing well, mm. um, or they have brands within the parent company that aren't doing well. And so oh. overall, the corporate vibe is that it's not a time to take risks. Yeah. Okay. And so then it's very hard, I imagine, in those environments to pitch a project that is such an incredible undertaking. Interesting. Yeah. I never thought about that. Because yeah. you look at like Tanya It all comes Taylor, down to business. And they're so small. And they're just like, if you want to be inclusive, you just fucking do it. Right. But there are a ton of brands who are championing that right now who didn't do it for a number of years yeah. as well. And so there's no saying that, as you mentioned, Diane von Furstenberg won't be doing it soon, yeah. too. Yeah. Okay, let's take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors. So today's episode is brought to you by Knight. So you've heard us talk about their classic pillow on the reg, and you probably know that it's our favorite pillow. It's a memory foam pillow with a silk pillowcase that is so comfortable, but also great for your skin and your hair. But today we want to talk about some of their other amazing products. I think I'm going to be doing a lot of my holiday shopping at night this year using our discount code. They have a lot of great giftable products that are perfect for some of those really hard to shop for people on your list. So first, let's talk about the face masks. You guys know I love these face masks. They have sheet masks that have gold in them. Gold. They leave you so radiant and glowy. Um, You've heard me say this before, but I'm not usually a sheet mask person because when you do a sheet mask, you have to lay down and like fully relax. You can't be like, I like to do like a mud mask sitting at my desk and working. But I love these. I feel so glowy after using one. These are the perfect gift to give your girlfriends as stocking stuffers or for women you work with. You can take, you can buy the pack and just break them up and give them individually because they're so nice. Oh, yeah. I also think that they're sleep mask so like not a face mask but one that you put over your eyes to black things out and their scrunchies would also make great gifts so 
Um, they have a silk eye mask that I think is really wonderful. Personally, I keep mine in my suitcase at all times. And, you know, if I'm in a weird hotel room or if I'm on an overnight flight, like I have I have one on hand. Um, and then they also just launched silk scrunchies. And I'm not surprised, but they're great. I'm wearing one right now. We're oh, recording and I'm blue using the one. We just got the scrunchies in the mail and we love them. Yeah. I have really fine hair, but I find it really hard to sleep if I don't have my hair up. Yeah, same. So the silk scrunchie is great because you I put it in my hair to sleep and it doesn't like break or damage my hair. And it doesn't leave any kinks in your hair if you're if you're like me and you want to make your blowout last. Yeah. Oh, you know what would be such a fun gift if you got a package of the sheet masks and a package of the scrunchies and like I sleep masks and like oh, made little so gift kits for people. Yeah. That'd that be would such be such a cute. good gift. That wasn't even on our little script we wrote. No. Um, and of course, if you're looking for a bigger gift for someone, I think the classic pillow is perfect. It's a really good gift for someone who's hard to shop for. Um, I gave one to my dad for his birthday. He's like the man who has everything. Um, and this would be a great gift to give someone like your mother-in-law, someone that you maybe aren't sure what to get, but you want to get them something really nice. Everyone loves a good night of sleep, and I think that this pillow is the ultimate self-care. And it's something they're actually going to use every single night. Yeah. The last gift idea I'll give you is that um, I didn't realize this, but you can get their silk pillowcases uh, embroidered. You can get them monogrammed. Oh, it's like staying at the Carlisle Hotel where they always have monogrammed pillowcases. I know. That would be such a good gift. Yeah. So I seriously think that I've I was p- forced to pick one place where I could do all of my holiday gift shopping. It might be night. Um, as always, we have an offer for you. You can take twenty percent off your order at discovernight.com with code BOP twenty. Again, that's twenty percent off your order at discovernight.com with code BOP twenty. And now back to the episode. So wait, so I want to talk about the Chromat show, which I know for you was like a very pivotal moment in your career that kind of touches on modeling mm-hmm. and then kind of has a lot to do with where you went next. Can you tell us about that? I mean, I know about this because I'm your friend, but sure. like I don't know the story and I and she said that it's a good one. Oh yeah, I guess. Um it was good press. Well it was bad press that turned to good press. <laughs> um but I mean, so, like a good story, not like yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just to clarify, <laughs> like haha, not haha. Um, so I, sorry, I walked in the Chromat show in September 2017, I believe. Um, and at the time, I was a size 1820, and it's a swim brand, so I was wearing a swimsuit, and I went down the runway. Um, and it was awesome. It was a great experience. The designer is a friend. The brand is incredible. They absolutely set the bar and the gold standard for diversity and inclusion in fashion, not just in America, but uh, across the world. And so I felt proud and excited and just honored to be included. Um, and then the pictures of the show hit the internet and people were not into me particularly. And oh so I had... Yeah, and it was my first experience with that. Um, And so I think that there were 20,000 likes and comments um, on my own personal picture, which at the time I had under 10,000 followers. It was was crazy. Um, 
good ones or bad ones? They started good and then they got really negative. I think that what happened is it got put on the Discover page for Fashion Week because, um, yes, Discover will spin out stories for Fashion Week. And so it got taken outside of my echo chamber of support and body positivity and, and all that good stuff. And so, yeah, I it was my first go at being seriously trolled on the internet. And so Glamour made a public statement in my support and defense. The editor-in-chief of Glamour did as well. The founder and designer of Chromat did as well. Um, and then I think it was covered by like, Yahoo, everything from Yahoo to Business Insider. <laughs> so oh my God. it was quite a splash. I ended up with 10,000 followers out of it to total 20. Um, so it was definitely my biggest jump ever. And I think that I don't know. I don't know why people were so into it, there, into into my page thereafter, but um, it taught me a lot. It like put you on the map, but I mean, how did it feel in the moment? Were you able to brush it off? I, I mean, it was... It was a really weird out-of-body feeling. No, I was not able to brush it off. I had to put my phone down for a few days. Yeah. Yeah. And I was yeah. like asking Iskra, my friend who is um, very big in the body positivity space on how she deals with that kind of stuff because uh, it she gets it really badly. And um, I was you know, asking my friend Precious the same thing. And, and everybody kind of had different advice. And that was the best thing I knew how to do is to ask people how they deal with it. But nobody has a hard and fast answer. Right. Like you want to be like, fuck it. It doesn't matter to me. But of course, when people are saying personal things aimed at you and it's yeah. on your page and you can't avoid it. like Oh, it's invasive. It gets like under your skin. Yeah. It doesn't stop at the phone. Yeah. yeah. That's why you've got to really just, I think, not – I turned comments off eventually. Yeah. Yeah. That's got to be so stressful. And it's so easy to like give someone else advice. I'm like, oh, just brush it off. But when it's happening to you in the moment and like your social media is exploding, that must have been so hard. Yeah. I mean, I eventually responded – I wonder if I can pull it up or if I hid it from the world on the internet. But I (laughs) – oh, God, I should admit this. I wrote my response tipsy in the back of an Uber. And um, by then I was, like, very much like, fuck this. Fuck you if you feel this way. Women don't have to look a certain way. And if, you know, I want to walk down the runway in a bathing suit, I'm going to do it. And it's not going to bother me. So it absolutely doesn't now, and that's how I feel now. But I think that took, like, a week of processing. But it also, like – brought a community together around you of people that wouldn't have happened otherwise. So they're like, there is a silver lining, but it also really sucks. Yeah. And it was also such a learning in reminding me that I am in a safe space as a small fat person, um, as somebody who is considered, uh, I guess, beautiful at the moment, which side note is fleeting because as somebody who's mixed race and you know, is darker skin for a Chinese person and freckled and not curvy. That was not always the case. Um, but also who is in fashion in New York where now body positivity is cool. It was a really good reminder that not everybody who lives in a body that is not accepted by society lives in a space that they can be themselves and be happy all the time. Um, and unfortunately it sometimes takes something like that to remind us of 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 the place that we are as bigger women in this world. Well, so wait, it motivated me. I, I want to talk about body image because you – I know you've been so open about how your size has fluctuated. And like it sounds like modeling was an empowering experience for you in some ways. But like how – But totally shitty in others, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. how is it important yeah, you how it. you see your body like <laughs> – 
how um, did you feel about your body growing up? Like, how did modeling change it? How does it feel now? I – when I was growing up, I was an athlete. Yeah, you played basketball. Yeah, I played basketball. So I f- it was a different – I never thought about my body as a commodity in terms of being attractive to men or selling clothes or being aspirational. It was like, how strong are you? How tall are you? Don't how much you can you get sometimes? done with your body? I think about like my running track and cross-country yeah. days. I never even thought about like – it was like, oh, my clothes don't fit. I grew, so I just need a bigger size. Like it wasn't like yeah. all the shame and like bad thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, sports is something that it is really unfortunate that when we turn into adults, it just goes away. Yeah, yeah. for so many reasons. But um, yeah, I. How did I feel about my body growing up? What was the second part of the question? How did how now did I'm modeling about basketball? How did modeling affect how you felt about your body? Oh, um, at first it was really good because I was so honored to be on a board with, sorry, at an agency with. Ashley Graham and Precious Lee and Crystal Wren and Candace Huffine um, and to be called a plus size model and have peers like that was so incredibly empowering and motivating um, and validating in a lot of ways. Um, you know, and then you go through this mental thing where you're making money because you're a plus size and that feels really good. Um, it feels like a fuck you to everybody who told you that totally. you were too big, you know. Um, but then you kind of start working more and you're on set and people are putting padding on you to make you curvy in the right places or the samples don't fit and there's some whispers or, That's so you know? interesting that it's like even models don't have the perfect body. Like we're even altering oh, yeah, their body. Like we've chosen you because you are not you necessarily, but like the proverbial model you because you are like the most ideal and then it's like you're not ideal enough that's not new information though and that's the exact argument but it is to me like no there's a famous cindy crawford quote that to paraphrase is like even cindy crawford doesn't wake up looking like cindy crawford well i know that but i didn't know about padding oh okay. i didn't know about padding yeah so there's where do they put it there's a plus size ideal as well and so you know that's around a size 14 and that's hourglass if, okay. Yeah. And so, so making your waist look smaller and then patting mm-hmm. your your butt and your and your chest. Uh generally hips and hips. and butt. Yeah. 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 So making you look wider. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Nothing's ideal. No one. <laughs> it's all it's wow. all fake. It's so crazy. And yeah. you know, you could be the most famous supermodel in the world who is a size 0. You could have all the plastic surgery the that you know you can afford you could go to set and be picked of all the models in the world you'll be picked and then you'll have two hours of hair and makeup and then you'll have the clothes tailored to your body on set and then they'll still take all day to get the right photo and then after that they'll photoshop the photo you know it's just we might as well use robots it's insane (laughs) it's depressing but like also kind of um just like a little bit weirdly uplifting to hear that because it's it is. like, yeah, well, I try to tell as many people, yeah, I'm going to be on the street corner soon with a sign that says nothing is real. <laughs> I descend into madness. Like, <sighs> even if you're Cindy Crawford or somebody, like you're still going to get retouched for a full day and like t- told to stand at a different angle and like, yeah. Yeah. The padding is so interesting to me. I mean, it. it uh, yeah, the plus size ideal is real and and yeah. they want 
a lot of brands have traditionally wanted models that don't have a lot of weight in their face. So that's why they book girls who are a size 12, 14, but then the samples come in and they're an 18 because that's what size you fit on. And so um, they'll pad your waist out or your, your you know, hips and, and lower waist and bum out two sizes, which is a lot um, so that you still look like you have a trim face and trim limbs. That's so interesting. And that's well, like, think about it. No plus size models reflect well, the way that the plus yeah, size population no, looks. No, they don't. I was going to yeah. say even – I don't know if this was when you were in modeling, but, you know, there's even like 6'8 is even like part of the plus. Yeah. The thing with plus, I had this – I actually had this conversation this morning and I <laughs> – I just had to, you know, politely bow out of the conversation because I just couldn't explain it anymore. But maybe you'll understand what I'm saying. Okay, better. let's try it. Um, I think that plus size when it comes to fashion and models and clothing should be called like one thing. And plus size when it comes to like people, if you even want to call it that, or the way that people interact with fashion on the outside of the industry should be another thing because it's not apples to apples, but we use the same term. And so when we're talking and we're using the word plus, it just means above average. So if you're talking about models and the average model is a size two, four, then yeah, size six, eight is above average. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're talking about clothing runs as it pertains to people who shop at malls and the average clothing run is a size zero to 12 or 14, then 14 or 16 is plus. Interesting. And so it's unfortunate that it's the same word. Yeah. And no matter if the word was plus or curve or orange, you know, curve, it would still... that's what... Because when I used to book models for photo shoots and if you ever you mean needed... you used to book models for photo shoots? Yeah. Like I used oh, to... Oh, right. When you were... Yeah, yeah, Okay. Like when I worked in... Um, at the denim brand, I used to book models right. or like... Um, I guess we never really used models at... Bottle bar, but like, or when I would book shoots for Lola, and sure. we would want. I guess I just didn't realize that that's what you were you were doing everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, whenever you wanted like somebody who felt like quote unquote real, like you would have to look at their curve board because there wasn't anyone on their like just like regular board that wasn't, you know, like the wayfish model. Yeah, real's a real's a bad word too. Oh, yeah, real's a bad word too. Real's kind of shitty. Everybody's I don't know real. Everyone's what's real. the right like except for the robots bigger. that I'm talking about. Bigger? I don't know what's the right word to say. <laughs> you know what I say? I just say whatever size I'm talking about. So if okay. I'm casting a campaign and I need a size 18 because my sample is a size 18, I need a size 18. Okay. And uh, you know, in at Henning, if I make clothes for size 12 to 24, I say size 12 to 24. Okay. I said yeah. straight size and plus size when I speak about them on my blog. And, like, a few people were like, why are you saying straight size? Like, and they, like, took it to, like, another level, like, with, like, sex. And I was like, no, no, this isn't, like, it's not straight. Like, I was like, this is just the industry term. Like, I'm just using a word that I was taught was okay. Industry jargon is just so hard to translate to consumers or readers or followers. And so yeah. that's why I think just saying what you mean is the best way. Yeah. But then there's also a movement of people who don't want to call it plus size. They want to call it something Yeah, like universal standards. And like some of the names are – I can't remember which ones Kmart I've seen. rebranded the whole so- section fabulous size a few years ago. Yes. Yeah. It's just exhausting. Yeah. And it's – Yeah. You know, it's condescending and pan – you know, uh, whatever. I don't need to be told I'm fabulous. I know that. Thank you very much. Yeah, that, that does feel like pandering. <laughs> like, oh, I – I shop in the fabulous section. Like, that's so strange. Um, so Marketing we, gone wrong. So let's yeah. keep going down the, the track of your career. 
So, I mean, when the chromat thing happened, you were at Glamour, but I want to talk about your time there. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your beat there? Like, were they receptive to you came in and you were like, I want to write about size inclusivity? Yeah, it was Cindy's idea. That's amazing. Because when I got there, I didn't want anything to do with plus. Oh, you didn't? I thought I made it in the doors at Condé Nast. I do not want to talk about plus size anything. I don't want to feel different. I don't want to be othered. I don't always want to be the big girl in the room. And I was going to already be the big girl in the room. So I didn't want to then like be thought that that's all I could talk about or Mm -hmm. do um, or be seen as incapable of doing anything more upscale. Um, So yeah, I I didn't want to do it. And then I I spent a few months – avoiding it um and realized that there was nothing <laughs> nothing no i was just never mind i was gonna make a bad joke i uh, anyways <laughs> now i'm laughing at my own fake joke in my head um i realized that i should lean into what was different about me and and that was such a emotional thing to talk about and i i should do it for my younger self and i should do it for all the women out there who felt like i felt and so i was in a car in cindy's car on the way to the opening ceremony show um one season and and her and i were talking and she suggested it um and so i pitched her some ideas and then i had a monthly column and then i had an online vertical um like i said we had a Glamour and Lane Bryant advertising deal, so we did clothing collections, I think about 10. We did two special issues dedicated entirely to Plus. Um, what else? I worked with some designers by way of my column to to make extended sizes. Um, yeah, we did a lot. That's amazing. We talked. I talked on the Today Show and Good Morning America. Yeah. It's great. I feel like this is like a theme I'm seeing with like a lot of women is like leaning into that thing that makes you different will like really like expand your career and just like. Yeah. That's the advice I give when anyone says, what's your best advice? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're going to take another sponsor break. And this is one of my favorite sponsors. I don't like to play favorites. I love them all. But this episode is also sponsored by Equilibria. So I absolutely love this brand. If you listen here regularly or read my blog or follow me on Instagram, you know that I have become a super fan of their products. So Equilibria is a medical grade CBD company created by women for women, though men can use it too. Their products are made on an organic farm in Colorado with a focus on quality ingredients. As I always say, my favorite, favorite, favorite thing about Equilibria is the hands-on service. So when you place an order, you'll be paired with a dosage consultant who will help you figure out the right routine. The dosage expert gave me a little program. I take the daily drops right before bed to help me fall asleep and a soft gel to help me stay asleep. And then there's the relief cream, which is absolutely amazing. My dosage consultant actually upped me to a stronger soft gel. So now I take the 25 milligram just before bed and it helps me stay asleep all the way through the night. What I'm really, really excited about this month though is again, pertaining to gifting. It's Equilibria's limited edition deluxe gift box. So this is the perfect gift for yourself or for someone in your life that maybe needs a little bit of pampering or is like really stressed out. So this has the three core products, the soft gels, the daily drops, and the relief cream, and two brand new products, which is their roller ball and two bath bombs. I feel like this bath bomb just can combines all of my interests, relaxation, taking a bath, and now CBD. 
Equilibria is the perfect gift to you and every woman in your life. My sleep is getting better. My cramps are so much better. I literally take my Equilibria everywhere with me. Um, If you have more questions about CBD, I have a big blog post about it on my blog. Um, Their team actually answered all of your questions, so go over there and read it. And we have an offer for you. If you go to equilibriawoman.com and enter code BOP at checkout, you can take 15% off your first order. The beginner box is not included in this, but again, that's equilibriawoman.com, BOP for 15% off. And now back to the episode. What's your favorite story that you wrote while you were at Glamour? That I wrote? Oh my gosh. I, I was liked, looking up all your uh, work yesterday thanks. like while we prepared for you. Where did you find it? Just online. See, you I just feel Google like your name on Glamour. I know. Yeah. I, I need You're to do still this. There. I need to do this. I my print columns don't necessarily live on Glamour.com. And oh. so I need to get the actual PDFs and put them on a portfolio site or something. Anyways, because there's a big difference between online content, which is fast and furious and whatever totally. is trending, and print content, which you work on for months at mm-hmm. a time. Um, anyway, so all of my print content is my favorite content because okay. I was given time and, and resources and you got to really report properly over months or follow someone along for a story um, or see the making of a dress come to life over time and and, and talk about that. But my favorites were Ash- the Ashley Graham cover story. Um, when I worked with Tanya Taylor to make her first plus dress for A.D. Bryant, and we talked about red carpet dressing for celebrities above sample size, um, I did a deep dive on which designers would secretly make you plus sizes but wouldn't sell them off the rack. Oh, oh that's oh, so interesting. Yeah, Tell good it, reaction. Who, who, Thank who you. Who is it? Um, I don't know if I can remember who. who. Um... I mean, you can. Well, Christian Seriano used to do that before. Yeah, the, you can private yeah. order with most anybody, but you know, they're. I don't know. I don't know if I, <laughs> I should say. You don't want to we'll name find names. The article. We'll find the article. We'll find okay. the article. We'll find the article. Um, I'll tell you. I'll tell you after if you really want to know. Oh yeah, um, I, I want to know. Yeah, I know you want to know. <laughs> um, and so I did a similar deep dive on how much floor space plus sizes were actually getting in department stores across the country and where that space was and what it looked like. And I know that I um, learned from you that the, in the Herald Square Macy's, the plus size department was next to a McDonald's. There was a McDonald's or a fast food restaurant on the floor. Yes. So you could smell the deep fryer in the section. That said, the Macy's plus size section, I think is pretty robust. I have been there as a shopper many a time. Um, and it's, you know, they not two racks hidden behind homeware as it is, you know, mm-hmm. a solid half a floor. So. Okay. Yeah. What's a story that you always wanted to write that you couldn't, like, you couldn't get the blessing to do? Oh, my gosh. Well, stay tuned to the Henning Journal because I finally don't have advertisers that I can't Ooh. Ooh. Um, I think that – I don't know that I would say I always wanted to write the stories that I'm working on now, but my perspective has changed. Um, and I know more about the business side of things. And um, I'm not so much in a fashion – tunnel. Um, and so, you know, I want data on how being plus size affects the wage gap. I want to talk about brands who want the optics of plus size people in their advertising and in their influencer programs, but won't put sizes in the stores. Stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. That I don't have to be soft about anymore. Yeah. You want to like tell truths. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm learning so much and yeah. I have so many conversations with people where they don't know why clothes stop at a size 24. They don't understand how the price breaks down or, you know, things like that, that you only really know when you walk into the factory and ask them to make up to a size mm-hmm. 28. Um, or you have <laughs> a bank account that you are funding um, production runs with. And mm-hmm. so that's a lot of the stuff I want to talk about just because I feel like we deserve to know. Well, wait, I want to I want to talk about that stuff too. But I, before we leave your glamour time, I know that your experience at glamour had a lot to do with why you founded Henning. Yes. And like, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's the question I tried to answer half an hour ago. Sorry. No. I stopped myself. Um, Yeah. So while I was at glamour, I was a size, everything from a size 12 to a size 20. And I never had anything to wear beyond fast fashion. And my peers were these incredible iconic women that I looked up to so much. And I just wanted to be like in every way from their work to what they wore. Um, And they were able to wear current season designer clothes every day. And it's not that I would have done that anyways. However, for the meetings when the head honchos were in the room, I probably shouldn't have been in Forever 21 with pit stains, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not. In my first cover interview, I probably should have had pants on that didn't rip up the ass when I got into the Uber. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. And so (laughs) it's just became so frustrating. And and also the irony wasn't lost on me that I was reporting on designers that I had never worn and didn't want to include me and I would never be able to wear. Um, and so I wanted one power suit for my big meetings. I wanted a great dress to wear to events that I knew that BFA and Getty were going to take my picture. And I thought that some great designer or some great, great brand would do it every season. I thought that no one ever did. And so when the time came right, when the, the right time came to leave, because I had said everything that I wanted to say and I had gotten the promotions that I was proud of and Cindy was leaving. Um, This was a natural progression. So Henning is all of those things that I wish that I could have worn during that time. Yeah. And the things that I want to give other women access to because there are size 16 lawyers and size 24 architects and other size 14 fashion editors out there. Absolutely. Trying to be seen as as capable and smart and sharp as they really are. And who just want to feel like they can participate in something luxurious and aspirational. Totally. Yeah. Totally. I'm so inspired that you like saw this problem and you were like, fuck it, I'm going to solve it. Oh, thanks. Yeah. So, okay. So we want to move on to Henning. And so we want to talk. You worked on this for a year before launching it as a sole founder without any VC money. So- what yeah, was, that's stressful just hearing that. that. I'm, I'm, I'm stressed for I'm you. I'm surprised I slept all year. We talked yeah. earlier about my sister, and it sounds like you guys probably could commiserate over a lot of the same stuff. I think a lot of founders can, yeah. yeah. Um, what was the decision-making process like with this? Behind not taking money? Yeah. And doing it yourself. Yeah. I needed to if I wanted to see the vision that I had come to life. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's a reason why there isn't a luxury plus size brand out there kicking ass and doing it the way that, you know, young, cool, powerful women want it to be done. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the people behind big money are not young, cool, powerful plus size women who get it. Or they're plus size people who aren't fashion people. Um, And so I needed to be bullheaded and sticking to what I wanted to do. 
Um, that's not to say I couldn't have found somebody who believed in, in me enough to let me do it. It was just that I needed to hit the ground running and go and stay agile and make quick decisions um, and do things that didn't make sense just because I thought they made sense. Um, and I think it worked out really well. I totally agree. Thank you. Yeah, I agree too. But I'm, yeah, I have the word "fuck" on my homepage. I don't know if that would have gone off well, <laughs> so fuck well. With asterisks, so it doesn't affect your SEO. That's fair. Oh, um, is that a thing? Yeah. If you put asterisks, well, it's, it's in an image, isn't it? No, no, that's text. Yeah. Oh, it's live. Oh, text. interesting. Wait, what does "henning" mean? I'm curious. It means womaning. It's a play on the word "hen." Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just. That totally changed it because I was – I don't even know what I was thinking it was. Like I think of like the word herring and I was like maybe it's like a fish. I it does know. sound like something like upper class and British. Yeah, me. it sounded like something really sophisticated that I didn't know what it was. The branding agency did a really good job. Yeah, so they pitched Henning. it to me as as an abstract kind of heritage sounding last name. Um, and then I said to them, oh, that's so weird. My husband says that word to me all the time. And they were like, What? <laughs> And my husband will literally say it in the context of if I said to him, hey, Becca and Grace and I are going to go get coffee. Do you want to come? And he'll say, no, you're just going to be Henning. Oh, is he British? <laughs> no, he's oh. not. I don't know like where, a, like a, I was I thinking like a hen party. From. But yes, yeah, so yeah. it's a play on the word hen. And okay. to me, it's always meant like a woman's thing. Yeah. Okay. So, so it was a sign, right? It came yeah. up on the board at Red Antler who did the branding. And I just thought, that's the one. That's it. You yeah. felt the attraction. Yeah. Red Antler did a great job. But wait, so – the positive side of not taking money has been that you get to do this exactly the way you want to. But like, has there been a negative side to not taking money? Like, how has it affected your decision making with like the first collection? I think it's only been positive so far, to be quite honest. Uh, there will become a time, honestly, as the budget increases and the, and the bank account decreases that it is necessary to do that. If we are not profitable by then, obviously the model is built so that we will be. Um, but I I truly can't think of a of a negative effect. I have nobody to run things through if I need to make a split second decision. Um everything comes from my gut. Obviously I I think about things very in depth, but everything comes from my gut. Um I think that not having a lot of money or institutional money um means that has has translated to the fact that when there have been problems, there has never been the solution to just throw money at it. Mm-hmm. And so every solution had to be thoughtful and right. And when you are – That's so much pressure. It's pressure, yeah. but think about it this way. When you're pre-launch or right now a month in, I'm building the bottom of the Jenga tower. And so if I'm being thoughtful and making sure that these decisions aren't going to cause me problems in the future – that's the best thing I can be doing. You're building the strong foundation. Right? And mm-hmm. so if I would just throw money at it, who's to say that those blocks won't come tumbling down later on on something or the other? And also, I don't spend a lot of my mental energy and time fundraising or communicating with, totally. with backers or justifying things or second-guessing myself. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm proud of, of doing it this way to start. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. A lot of people thought I was crazy. It's just so – it's ballsy. Yeah, it's really – it's risky, but I can see why you did it in talking to you. It sounds way better. I feel like it's risky to do it the other way. Well, I, mean, I know I have with a somebody, business You're now. playing with somebody else's money, not your your yeah, own But I believe money. in this. Totally. Yeah. You know? All right. Let's take a break to talk about another sponsor. 
So our periods come once a month, and so do our Lola ads. Unfortunately, though, they are not synced up. Let's take a minute to talk about them both. So Lola is a women's health brand that offers tampons, pads, and liners made with natural ingredients. Um, Before I started using Lola, I didn't realize that the FDA does not require tampon brands to disclose a complete list of ingredients or that most tampons are made with synthetic fibers. So they can also be treated with harsh chemical cleansing agents and contain fragrances or dyes. Personally, I don't want any of that garbage in my body. There's a stat that the average woman will use 10,000 tampons in her lifetime, and that really put things into perspective for me. That's a lot. I know. If I'm going to use 10,000 tampons, I want to use ones that are made with natural ingredients, and I want to know what the, the ingredients are. For what it's worth, I'll also point out that your vagina is one of the most absorptive parts of your body. Fun fact. It makes sense. I try to be conscious about the ingredients in food and skincare and makeup. So why wouldn't we have the same standards for something that goes inside of your body, tampons? Yeah, that's reason enough for me to love Lola. But they also made the whole shopping experience way better. So first, you can choose the perfect mix of products. So for me, I basically want mostly light tampons and super plus tampons, which is definitely not a multi-pack that you can buy on the store shelves. And then they deliver it right to your door. So for me, I don't have to worry about forgetting, which otherwise I always do. Um, But the whole subscription is super flexible in case you're subscription phobic. Um, They email me a couple of days before my next order is going to ship and they make sure that I still need products. So you can change what's going in your box. You can skip a month or you can cancel all online super easy with the click of a button. Yeah. You know, it's really made the whole experience of being a woman with a period so much easier because – a period is not fun. I love that I can just have peace of mind with what I'm putting in my body. So if you want to try Lola, you can take 30% off your first month's subscription by visiting mylola.com and entering code BOP30. Again, that's 30% off, which is a great deal, your first subscription with code BOP30 at mylola.com. Now back to the interview. Well, wait. The other thing I love about your founding journey is that you've been very candid about the good parts and the bad parts on your Instagram. Oh, God. Um, And I feel like – No, I just feel like you're open when it's hard. And I feel like a lot of people gloss over it and it's like, I'm a superwoman girl boss and everything's (laughs) great. Oh, my God. I know. Hustle, hustle, hustle. Boss babe. And so I like that you've been very honest about it. But, like, I'm curious what has been the best part and what has been the worst part about this year leading up to it. That's also why I would have been bad at fundraising because I'm conservative – I'm thoughtful and I'm honest and I'm not a bullshitter and I get really uncomfortable when I have to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your question? What was the best part and the worst part of the year leading up to the launch? The best part was launch day. It was just so much culminating in one in one day. You birthed a brand baby. Yeah. It was probably better than actual i mean whatever i can't comment on real birth less <laughs> retracted statement um and the worst part hmm i don't know if there was there's ever been a worst worst part but some of the not so worst nice moment. memories are being talked about badly on the internet for our price point and for not going up higher in sizes um for making mistakes because I ordered the wrong size buttons because I know nothing about buttons. Now I do, obviously. <laughs> um, what else? When it was supposed to thunderstorm on my outdoor photo shoot. 
That was stressful. Yeah. Yeah. Those are some memories I'd like to forget. <laughs> the low light reel. The buttons, man. The bu- I cried over the buttons. What happened? I was yeah. just so stressed out and it was the last, what's that saying? The last straw on the camel's back. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The straw that broke the, the straw that broke back. the camel's back and the last straw. They're two they're sayings. Two, I yeah, pulled a Sofia Vergara Modern Family. Yeah. Um, I just ordered the wrong size buttons because I, like I said, it was the first time I ordered buttons for production. And did I, they get did they get put onto the garments? No, no, oh, no, okay. no. But you know, everything comes down to timing, and so then that was like ordering new buttons. Then, of course, you know, some the factory was closed for some reason for this extra day, and oh, now. No. The buttons are coming for a week, and so that puts production back a week. And so that's kind of how things snowball. But that's the little stuff that you don't ever think about going on behind a company. Yeah. Now I do. (laughs) Well, now. (laughs) Wait, so you're making everything in New York. Everything's made in New York, yep. What's the rationale? I mean, I think I know, but what's the rationale behind that? Yeah. um, We wanted to make product that was high quality without any compromise. And so New York is where you can get the best product made. Um, You know, we're made in the same factories that brands like Theory are put together. People get paid fairly. Um, We make low minimums here in town. And so we don't overproduce and it's eco-friendly that way. And so being made in New York means that we can make the best garments when people get paid properly and not be harmful to the world in, in, in an overproduction kind of way to hit minimums. And then people get a perfect garment that they love. Yeah. Well, so we, I have to ask the hard question. One of the questions that we got from a few people was about pricing. And yeah. so is it is that part of it, that it's because Absolutely. it's made in New York? Well, those reasons are the reasons why, in addition to fabric choice. And so we also source fabric that's used by a lot of the great American designers. Um, My fabric sourcer actually came from the department at one of those fabric department at one of those places. And so um, that's the caliber of fabric. And then everything has natural content, which is nearly impossible to find in plus. Mm -hmm. And plus a lot of things are rayon and viscose and polyester to keep prices down because they're cheap and they don't perform well and they don't last. And so our Bank blazer, which is our classic black blazer, for example, is made of a stretch wool blend from Japan with a stretch lining and, you know, special custom trim. Um, plus there's a double vent, there's functional buttons, there's proper shoulder pads, um, you know, and, and, and the thing was fit to death, basically. Um, and so that all costs a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, it's made here in New York, but we have the best craftsmen. People get paid properly. I can go in anytime and check on the quality of the way things are being made, that they're being made on time, in clean, safe environments. Um, and then because we don't have to hit, you know, 1,000-unit minimums, um, we're not overproducing, which is, you know, one way for us to be as sustainable and as eco-friendly as possible. And so, like I said, you know, people get garments that are the best quality that they're ever going to have access to and plus at the moment – People who have made them have been treated properly and it's not overproduced and so it's sustainable in that way. And then you have a garment that you can feel good about having. That's so that's such a hard thing. And I recognize myself as a consumer doing this when it's like when somebody tells me all of this, I'm like, of course it should be that way. Of course. And then I don't always vote with my dollars. Yeah, you the, see the price tag and you're the way it's that hard I would not like to, get to upset with my about convictions. That. Yeah. yeah. As a brand owner now. Has it changed the way you shop, do you think? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I truly didn't realize that if something costs $79, then a person probably got paid $5 to make it. Yeah. 
My um, sister's constantly telling me that about yeah. stuff, especially stuff from my it's home. It's deeply upsetting. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a lot of consumer education to do, especially in the plus space where there aren't comparable b- brands who have been doing that type of education. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it matters. And listen, it would be so much easier for me to go make clothes that are under $100 like every other brand in the space has 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 traditionally done and make a lot more money. Well, but wait. I believe in the way that I'm doing it and I think it's – absolutely necessary it's bare minimum for what i would be proud to put out into the world and so if i get yelled at on the internet about it then i get yelled at on the the internet about it but i think i'm doing the best possible thing wait pitch us the vision for henning because we kind of started in the middle you like told us what it was before but like it's it's something but it's aspiring to be and everyone needs to go to her website and look at these pieces they're oh thanks the blue, i yeah. just want the blue suit. or go to henning on instagram it's just or the henning, henning instagram yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the vision is to be the first major American plus size brand. And we want to serve people who know that they're smart and capable and equal um, and just don't have the means to express that when it comes to clothes. We want to do that all while being the best possible business and setting the best possible example. But clothes, when it comes down to it, affect how we act in our daily lives, whether we're at work or on a date or trying to be a great mom. Um they're like armor. And so when we wear shitty stuff, we feel shitty. It affects us tangibly in a lot of ways. And so I don't want everybody to own everything from Henning, but I think if you have one, like I said about my time at Glamour, one amazing blazer that makes you feel amazing, then you'll see the effects of that in your life. Mm -hmm. And my point, my message is that we deserve it just because we are not under a size 12 doesn't mean that we don't want a luxury item and that we don't have places to go that warrant that and that we don't feel as great about ourselves as everybody else does. Absolutely. It's that power outfit. Sure. Yeah. I believe that that's putting on something that I feel like I look good on can totally change my mood, my attitude, how I express myself. Like it's it's so much more than just like compliments or like looking good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, even further than that, like I said, I did my first cover interview with my pants ripped up the butt, (laughs) and I was trying to still do a good job, but it was hard. Yeah. And so whether we're talking about that or going to an interview and you're pulling at your shirt the whole time or, you know, God forbid the shirt smells because it's made of cheap rayon and you'd run there because the train was late, you know, there there are even more granular ways in which clothes disadvantage women above a size 12. And I was just so sick of being disadvantaged. Well, wait, so you kind of alluded to this when I, when we were asking about why other designers aren't doing plus. Like, what is it that makes plus fit and, and manufacturing so difficult? Well, you just have to double everything in terms of budget and effort. So you have to refit the clothing on a size probably 18. Generally, when you have a size run that's 0 to 12, you'll fit, I don't know, maybe around a 6. I, I, to be honest, I don't do it, so I, I can't give you an exact mm-hmm. size. But you grade up and down from there. So you add an inch or two, depending on your grade rule, to the sizes to grow the sizes. You can only do that for so many sizes before it gets really wonky. That's what I've heard because a lot Mm -hmm. of companies are just making it Mm -hmm. everything bigger and then – Right, to try to save costs though because like I said, you have to double everything. So then if you have to make a new pattern, get a new fit model, fit it on again on the size 18, grade it again – you know, that's that's quite literally double your costs. Then when it comes to production, you've got to have 
more fabric. You've got to charge the same price because you can't charge more for the plus size than you do for the straight size. And then you've got to put an entire marketing budget to advertise the idea that you even have extra sizes. So it's a lot. It's a lot of money. It's a giant undertaking. And so what size did you use to uh, fit your brand? 18. 18. Okay. And so, so it's like want made to, go above to fit 24, a size 18. It's not like... Yes, we should fit again above a size 24. Yeah. So then what would you do? Fit like a, a 30 and then go down and then up to 40? No, we'd probably fit... I'm not sure. We'd probably fit on a 26 or 8. Okay. Down to a 24, cross-reference that fit and make sure it overlaps well. Yeah. Because that's another problem. When brands have a size 0 to 12 range and then a size... Uh, or sorry, a size 0 to 14 range and then a 14 to 24 you get a 14 and a missy cut, which is graded up from your straight size fit. So it's straighter across the board. And then you have a 14W, which is graded down from your plus size fit, and it's curvier across the board. So you essentially have bad overlap and you have two size 14s, or you pick one or the other, and then there's a giant jump interesting in, in cut and silhouette between the 12 and the 14. Okay. And I know that there's also just like, from talking to you, there's a whole other range of fit concerns with plus size. And I think you've been really ingenious about how you've tackled some of those. Yeah, everybody thinks it's so genius. But if you have been the consumer, it's the simplest things you could possibly think of and the most affordable. But like, what are some examples? So we have secret buttons in the placket of our button-down shirt between the normal buttons. They face backwards and they stay in the placket so that your shirt doesn't gape open where your chest pulls it. Um, I want that in straight sizes. Yeah. Like – I don't wear button-down shirts because they just don't look good on me. (laughs) I'll get there. We'll get there. Um, And then we have a gel tape on the inner thigh theme to make that seem stronger, to be less likely to rip from chafing when your thighs rub together in your pants. Um, Our elastic back waists are not in ruched panels. They're sewn into the material, and the wool of the pants is specifically stretched, which is hard to find and expensive. But that way, even if you sew the elastic in, the pant will still give and take because the fabric itself is stretch. Um, So it looks much more upscale. Yeah. Um, What else? We have bra strap holders in the dress. We have a self-fastening belt that fastens to the belt loop in the trench. The list goes on, but um, it's stuff like that. I think that's so thoughtful. It's so thoughtful. I feel like these are things that every piece of clothing should have. Thank you. I feel like it's important to me to be the customer. And you can tell when, when, when founders or designers are not the customer, um, not only in the in the way that those little things are missing, that those little bonuses aren't there, but that the fit is just egregiously wrong. Um, yeah, and then beyond fit details, everything was still thoughtful, even if it wasn't meant to solve a problem. So like I said, our blazer has a double vent that's typically found in menswear. The cuffs are functional. That's also typically found in custom menswear. The, the, the sleeves are full length. The jacket is elongated. There are big shoulder pads in it to give a very structured, strong silhouette. And those are things that I just was never able to find in plus simple as they may sound. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm curious what your biggest pinch me moment has been since the brand launched. Hmm. Probably dinner on launch day. Yeah. Yeah. I had all of these incredible women there in the room. Oh, I saw that on Instagram. A lot of my friends were there. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was incredible. It was, yeah. Is there, a celebrity or influencer who you would like keel over if they wore Henning? 
we sent some things to some good people that I knock on wood will keel over when they wear it. Um, but so far, Ashley Graham has been so kind to wear the jacket. My friend Precious Lee took it all over Paris Fashion Week and looked incredible. Um, Katie Storino, your Love both Katie. Our, our shared buddy, has been wearing it as well. She's the best. She's incredible. She actually bought the jacket off the sample rack at that dinner. <laughs> that sounds like to Katie. Take it home with her. <laughs> she was one of our first purchases. It was just like the kindest, most supportive gesture. So I'm so grateful. Yeah, those are some incredible people. I I should, I I am pinching myself about all of that because that's incredible. I think it's interesting. I've learned from being very early stage at startups and from like starting a podcast that it's like when you do these things, you learn, you also learn how to support other people. Yes, because you know how hard it is at the beginning. So it does very bad for all the people that I haven't bought things from and I've gone back and gone on a shopping spree. Right. So it doesn't surprise me Mm -hmm. that Katie did that because she has mega Mm -hmm. babes. So she like, she knows the value Mm -hmm. of exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Can we move on to the random grab bag questions? Yes. Some are hard and I some are easy. I love grab bag questions. Yeah. This is a good one. <laughs> so somebody wrote in, how can someone move towards a body positivity or even neutrality if they're coming from a negative place? Unfortunately, I think most, if not everybody, comes from a negative place. And so just the fact that people are out in the world who do feel body neutral or body positive are 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 doing it should be incredible inspiration for us all. And it definitely was for me. Um, and so the first thing that I generally say is follow those people and unfollow the ones that don't put that message out into the yeah. world. Who are your favorite plus size or body positive follows? Ashley Graham, The Militant Baker, It's Me, Kelly B., Gabby Fresh and Nicolette Mason, um, Tess Holiday, The Fat Sex Therapist, Body Posse Panda. I, the list goes on. I think that, honestly, go to my Instagram page. It's at LC Chan and go through who I'm following. That's what I did in the beginning when I was trying to find people who I wanted to believe in like, like that. Yeah. And then second, to answer this person's question, stop talking to yourself negatively. Seriously, if you if you think negative thoughts, cut them off. It sounds weird, but like tell yourself great things that you love about yourself, both physically and not physically. Um, and it, it, it really works. It takes time, but it really works. And I know you work with Nita and they have a whole curriculum around um, breaking body stereotypes. Do they have any of that online? So, yes, I'm an ambassador for the National Eating Disorders Association, which I'm super, super proud of. Um, Iskra is also an ambassador and so is Emmy, one of the first plus size top models. Um, we don't have the body project online because it needs to be disseminated by somebody who's trained. Um, and it's meant for people in school at the moment. However, the principles can definitely be adapted for each and every one of us. Basically what that program is, is to actually write down all of the things that go into the ideal woman, write them down, tall, but curvy, you know, pretty, but doesn't know it white but tanned, um, et cetera, et cetera, fit but not bulky. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you will, you will, you're supposed to go back over it um, and realize how impossible it is because it's every single thing almost is an oxymoron. And it's like we were talking about earlier about even the people who are in, in advertisements don't look like the advertisements. It, you know, it's about taking a moment to educate yourself on on how what we generally, unfortunately, are made to believe as women is not the truth. It's it's a lie, and we all fall for it. Yeah, we were just. I was just looking at um, 
a bunch of things on Twitter and everyone was criticizing AOC for spending $300 on her hair and her, like, I think she got highlights and, and and then like people and a haircut for $300, which like, if you live in New York, you're like, that's a deal, like $80 for a haircut. But that then spurred a further conversation, like women, politicians, everyone were supposed to look perfect, but you're not allowed to like actually spend the money or like put the effort in. It's oxymoronic. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. All of it. Here's a lighter question. What do you miss most about Canada? Ketchup chips. No, I should Ew. say my, I should say my family. Chip? Nope, the answer is my family. <laughs> but let's go back to ketchup chips. What's, what are ketchup chips? I'm intrigued. What? Guys, I should have brought some. That sounds gross. They're so good. Ooh. I want that. It sounds like something I would like. They're I don't like ketchup. Good. Oh, well, you're by it. Oh, my gosh. I don't That's really like ketchup opinion. either, but I feel like dried ketchup sounds good. Ketchup is really – ketchup chips are really good. Okay. They're very good. I They don't taste like ketchup, but I don't know how – to describe huh. them, and I wish that I could phone a friend on this podcast and get them to tag in and describe them, but they're very good. I'm sure you're going to get people coming out of the woodwork to be like, yes, ketchup chips. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get so many people yeah. coming out of the woodwork yeah. to say yes, ketchup chips. I want to try them. Can I order them on Amazon? Probably. I feel like I, you can get everything on Amazon. Probably. I'm going to look that up. They would be worth the uh, investment, I will say that. Hmm. Wait, I'm excited to ask this one because you have the most perfect skin. What's your skincare routine? Oh, I have a lot of makeup on at the moment. You do? Um, What's your makeup routine? You don't look like you're wearing any makeup. Skin routine? Well, let me, let me, I'll do skin I need first. both. Yeah. Skin, used, I used to be so diligent about it and now I don't have time and I literally slap on whatever's in front of me and some days I don't slap on anything. <laughs> um, but I really like Dermalogica's cleansers. Okay. I like Drunk Elephant's Vitamin C Serum. I like Supergroup's Sunscreen. The jury is out on a moisturizer that I ever, like, super, super loved. I'm pretty slutty with moisturizer. Oh Wait, God. have you tried the doctor? I am. It's true. I get – someone's going to leave a review saying stop talking about this, but – you have you tried the Dr. Botter face cream? No, that should everyone's I? raving about. Yes, it's fantastic. Okay, yes, okay, yes. Um, Becca I doesn't like, like it, but it's like a, changed my skin. There's a Cora's nighttime moisturizer with vitamin C in it. I think they actually call it an overnight facial, and I really like that. Okay, um, the brand's Cora, Cora's, Cora's. Oh, Cor- oh, I know that brand. Yes, yes, um, yeah. Okay. Oh, I like fresh black tea eye cream. Oh, yeah. I'm always on the hunt for a really good eye cream. Yeah. I tr- I I confiscated my magnifying mirror for myself recently because I just touch my skin too much and I've stopped doing that. Whenever I stay in hotels, I, I just end up like murdering and the problem is, is I don't have like my tools, like I won't have tweezers and I won't have I like, have this little thing that like will like get a blackout out. And like I was saying and there was a makeup mirror and I could see all the things that were wrong that I would usually like pick at. And I was like, I got to go to the pharmacy. Like I got to go get my tools. You did not. No, I didn't. Oh my God. I feel like the thing that I always notice in those mirrors is, that, is I was like, what is wrong with my eyebrows? Because like I oh, don't yeah. have enough good lighting or um, the magnifying mirror. And I'm like, oh God, I need an eyebrow wax. It's the eyebrows, the random like weird chin hairs that I got as of like turning 35 and something to look forward yeah, to. Yeah, something to look forward to. <laughs> and then weird, like clogged pores around my nose. I'll be like, oh my God, there's this monster. It's not a monster. We like, just no can't, one can see you it. You can't me. look that close. No yeah. one's looking at you that close. No, so yeah, we it's we not healthy. Can't yeah. Do it. yeah. But because I don't have it, I feel like when I go to a hotel, I'm like so intrigued. I'm like, let's do an inspection. Listen, I feel the same way. I just try to curb myself. Yeah. Wait, makeup though, because Lauren's I here love... and she looks, you don't, 
I just figured you had a really intense skincare routine. Oh, I didn't thanks. think you had any makeup on. It's kind of dark in here. Maybe I'll just like stay in kind of dark spaces for the rest of the day. I love that. Thank you for the lovely compliment. Um, I like NARS's concealer. The, the creamy one? one, not the pot one. Yeah. Official name. <laughs> NARS creamy um, concealer in a tube. I like Benefits Goof Proof Eyebrow Pencil. I do know the name of that one because I recommend it so much. Ooh. They have such clever names too. I like um, – what lip do I like right now? I like MAC Velvet Teddy. What color is – what kind of color is that? A pink that's kind of close to my natural color. Okay. okay. Like yes. your lips but better. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's always what I That's what it for. should be yeah. called. That's yeah. always what I ask for when I go shopping for lipstick. And that's kind of what I wear. I don't wear mascara a lot because I'll rub my eyes and then be mad that there's black all over my face. But today I do have a Clinique mascara on that I'm not super, super loyal to. I mean, it's a great mascara. Yeah. I'm not loyal enough to know the name of it. Mm, yeah. Mascaras, ma- mascara and brows are like the two things I have to do yeah. every day. I get that. Yeah. Well, what about somebody wanted to know what your workout routine is like? I feel I like we get basketball. this question for literally yeah. everyone. Yeah, I play basketball. Okay. Sometimes. You're on a team now, right? I've been, yeah, I mean, I've been playing every year since I moved here. I didn't so, realize that. Yeah, we play outdoor co-ed in the summer. Uh, I play in Nike. Nike has a league in the summer at headquarters. And then I used to play Zog sports in the winter, but I don't really anymore. That's so fun. I was always so bad at basketball, like really bad. Not aggressive We enough. all have our things. Yeah, yeah I'm very <laughs> – I'm I'm aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tall and everyone's like, do you play basketball? I was like, sure don't. <laughs> Great answer. Well, I'm just, like, not very coordinated. And, yeah, like, I'm not coordinated, and I'm too timid to, like, try and, like, get around someone with a ball. I'd just be like, here, just take it. Yeah, you got to go through people. Yeah, I can't do that. Which I now do sometimes too much in the subway stations. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. So, last question somebody asked, what brand would you most like to see extend their size range? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Hmm. What brand would I most like to see extend their size range? I would love to see a European top designer do it. Like who? America has been good about it. It's been exciting. Things have changed year over year. Um, Eleven on Array has signed a ton of um, uh, great designers to extend their sizes. Um, you mean like a Dior or But Chanel I mean like a- Vuitton mm-hmm. or Gucci, mm-hmm. Ferragamo. Okay. You know. Yeah. Like one of the big houses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. We'll see if it ever happens. That would be great. I won't As I said earlier, it. they're all doing private clients anyways. I'm very sure. Oh. Interesting. Scandalous. Yeah. Well, wait, Lauren, tell everyone, where can they find you on the internet? Where Lauren's can they desperation find minute. Henning? <laughs> like, what can they do yeah. for you? Yeah. Come follow us at Henning, which is at H-E-N-N-I-N-G on mm-hmm. Instagram. My personal is at Elsie Chan which is at L-C-C-H-A-N. Um, our website is henningnyc.com. And yeah, let me know what you think. We answer every DM personally, every email personally. So um, you'll be hearing from me if I hear from you. I love that. Yeah. Th- thank you so much for doing this. I feel like I learned you. so much. Oh, good. I'm yeah. glad. Yay. Yeah. Yay. Grace, how wonderful is Lauren? I love her. 
So after we recorded the interview, she emailed me, and in case anyone is wanting to try Henning, she gave us a discount code that you can use on their site. So it's bad on paper 15, all written out, for 15% off. And the website is and the website is henningnyc.com. So if you're interested in checking out any of the products, you should definitely use the code. We'll put it in the show notes too. Besides Lauren, what are you obsessed with? Oh, so you are the reason for my obsession this week. So did you use my link? Probably not. Uh, I did. <laughs> I didn't use your link. I used your code. It's the link. That's how I make money is my affiliate links. It's fine. I don't care. You got credit for it. I put in the code. That's good, but I won't make, I won't make money. Oh, well. Yeah. Do you want? Yeah, so you can give me th- $50. No, it's not $50. Like $10. People are probably like, what are they talking about? I have an affiliate link on my blog for these boots, and I always tease my friends when they don't use my affiliate links. I'm like, use my link. Okay. So I didn't even tell them what this is. They're I know. like, this is the best product ever, though. Okay. So I bought the perfect boots from Sarah Flint. I saw Grace wearing them, and I really liked them. And I wanted to invest in a new pair of like very classic booties. So I got the 70 millimeter ones. The heel's like like two and a half inches. It's so manageable. Did you get black or brown? Black. I have the We have the same ones, twins. I know. I wanted the exact ones you have. They're really comfortable. I wore them last night. Um, didn't do a ton of walking, but like, you know, walked around a few blocks. And yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, these are super comfortable. Um, and I think they just like are a little more dressed up than a lot of booties. They are. Um, I'm very, very into them. They were expensive, but I used I used your code. But you could also use our bad on paper code, I think, is still live. It's yeah. BOP45 to get $45 off. But um, this was my, my like, shoe splurge for the fall. They're honestly the best boots. They're so well-made. They're so pretty. And they're so comfortable. I think that it's something that hopefully will last a while, too, because it's not like a heel where you constantly have to get them resold. Yeah. I take my Sarah Flint pumps like once a season to the cobbler and I just get that little like the little heel thingy replaced and then they're fine. I think the boots will be the same way. I'm honestly like when we did our ad with them and you said that you have eight pairs, I was like judging you. I was like, Grace. And like I'm on the train. Like I'm slowly amassing a Sarah Flint collection. Well, it's because they're different styles. Like I have a pair of loafers. I have a pair of ballet flats. I have three pairs of the pumps because I wear them constantly. Mm-hmm. I have a pair of slingbacks. I have the boots. And I don't know what else I have. I'm sure I have like a couple pairs of flats or something else. I'm up to three. Oh, the sandals. The perfect sandals. Those mm-hmm. are wonderful too. Well, I'm up to three and counting. Yeah. They're, I can't say enough good things about this brand. Now it sounds like an ad. but It does. It's best. not. Yeah. I I genuinely like the boots. I paid my own money for them. Yeah, I've bought several pairs. Like I work with them regularly, but like they weren't going to give me three pairs of pumps. Like right. they gave me one, and then I bought the rest. Yeah. So, anyways, they're the best. I totally hijacked your obsession. Sorry. No, we're both obsessed. I got it from you. I, you came yeah. over and you were wearing them, and I was like, "Hmm, gonna get those." My, are you gonna ask me what my obsession is? What's your obsession? Mine is this thing called the body stone. Oh, the thing that Molly was talking about. Yeah. So when Molly Chen came on our podcast, she was talking about this as one of her must-have beauty items. And this is gonna be in my gift guide on my blog. But it's um, oh, it's wonderful. It's this stone made out of like cocoa butter and all these good things. And 
what you do is after your shower, you rub it all over yourself. Um, and because your your body heat heats it up, so it moisturizes your skin. And what's great about it is that it's sustainable. It's just this stone, so there's no packaging or plastic. And then it goes in this beautiful bamboo canister that it comes with. And then you just wrap it up in a little soft cloth and put it in the canister. And then when you're done with it, you just buy another stone and you keep your canister. Um, It smells great. It's so hydrating. My skin is like alligator skin in the winter, so I love that. I'm getting it for my mom and both of my sisters because I like it so much. What about me? Maybe. I don't know. You know about it now, so. I'm on my own. Yeah. I have to get you something you don't know about. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. If I pretend not to know about the Sarah Flint boots, will you get me another pair? (laughs) No, that's like $500. (laughs) We're not that good of friends. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. Um, What about on Instagram? Um, On Instagram, I'm obsessed with Sarah F. Carter. It's Sarah with no H, F. Carter. And she's the, I think she's the editor-in-chief of Betches.com. And she posts the funniest memes. And I relate to them all because they're basically all about being single and, like, how dating is the worst. Oh, I've never heard of her. Oh, she's so funny. Highly recommend. Great follow. Everything Uh, she posts is always, I'm like, yes, yes. Okay. What about you? I feel like mine is a pretty niche interest. So it is now cold out. So I'm getting into knitting season. I'm about to finish my first hat of the year. Um, But one of my favorite knitting people to follow on Instagram is this account, Hello Stella. So it's underscore Hello Stella underscore. And she makes yarn. She like hand dyes yarn. It's really beautiful. But it's the same thing with bookstagrams where I like them when there's a person behind them. So she also kind of like uses it interchangeably as her personal account. So I feel like I know all about this woman. She lives in Canada. She has two sons. Like I've been following her for years and she's just like really, really delightful and like seemingly very nice. I like her, but she posted a scary looking bird. I hate birds. They're so scary. Well, you should probably DM her to complain. I should. But yeah, I'm I'm getting into this sweater she made is really pretty. Will you make I me know. this sweater? I've never made a sweater. I'm mostly on like hats, gloves, and socks. I think it's time for you to expand and make me a sweater. If we if I make a sweater, you can you better believe the first one's gonna be for me. Yeah, that's true. But it also probably won't be that good. So it's in I your, want the second one. Yeah, it behooves you to wait because then I'll get Perfect. better at it. Perfect. I'm in. But um, yeah, I'm into knitting. I'm into knitstagram. I don't know if that's actually what it's called, what I'm going to assume it is. Bookstagram, knitstagram. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm such an old lady. Um, What about on the reading front? What have you been reading? Okay, so I just finished the Modern Love book, which um, this will be in the future. So, so past Grace and Becca will have interviewed Daniel Jones, who's the editor of that column. We interviewed him for this Random House event, and hopefully we're going to record it for a bonus episode but um but current grace and becca haven't done that yet yes we haven't but i did just finish the book and it's amazing so one question i keep getting asked on instagram is does it have more essays than the eight tv shows and yes it does um there's i think there's like 40 essays in the book and there's only eight tv show episodes so there's tons i have never cried so much reading a book it's so moving the stories are fantastic it's just wonderful i think this book would actually be such a great gift to give somebody for a holiday gift oh yeah yeah i can see that 
But I love it so much. I also last night was up kind of late, even though I'm sick, reading Such a Fun Age. It's addictingly good. Oh, I started it too. I'm probably about 50 pages in. Yeah, same. Really good. Really good. Um, I think this it needs to be one of our winter book picks, but we'll talk about that. And then I am rereading We Came Here to Forget by Andrea Dunlop, and that is our November book pick. Mm-hmm. What about you, Beth? Well, so I already talked about how the book series that I'm reading is ruining my life. So I, I read Throne of Glass books two through five in a week, which is not healthy. Oh, my God. And um, so I said that I had to take – I'm taking a break this week because I need to get other things in my life done. And so I also started Such a Fun Age, which is coming out in January. I think it's January 7th. And um, I'm really enjoying it. It's about race a lot. However, it's also – it's a serious read, but it's also a fun read, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so far, what I gather is basically this um, uh, black woman is a babysitter for a white family, and she has one of their children with her at the grocery store and gets accused of kidnapping the child, which she – obviously wasn't um and then it kind of like that happens in the first few pages and then it kind of goes from there about um race class i'm not really sure where it's going i'm not sure where it's going but it's there's definitely some race and class issues in there but um and it's also really interesting because the family that she babysits for the woman is um an influencer which is an interesting plot line i'm enjoying the career like because you also learn about how the woman like built her career and stuff yeah this is not how it works but cool anyway it's really liking it so far i've been hearing a ton of buzz about this book so i was excited to to start it yeah so that's what we've got for you today next week is book club so make sure that you have read a copy of andrea dunlop's book we came here to forget we're also going to have a bonus episode with the author which we're very excited about and join our Facebook group and leave us a review. Leave us a review. A and nice one. follow us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. And read my blog, thestripe.com. We're just giving such a long list. And follow Grace Atwood and Becca M. Freeman. Anything <laughs> else we need people to do? Oh, you can follow my cat. He's at Tyrion Puff. Is he Tyrion Puff or T- Tyrion Cream Puff? I think he's just Tyrion Puff. You don't even know. I don't even know. Don't follow him. He's boring. I think that's our cue to go. Yeah, we got to go. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.